Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to preach on the subject this morning, the worth of one. The worth of one. You know, the state of California is the most popular populated, excuse me, state in the United States with over 40 million people. And 23 million of those 40 million people live in Southern California alone. Amen. So you can see we're not out in the country. We're not living in even in the Central Valley of, of, of California or, or someplace, you know, back in the Midwest where you know, you blink and you, you went through the town, you know, they got, you know, a one horse town and you can't find the horse. They don't even have McDonald's, which I don't think that's a town if you don't have McDonald's, amen. But those people might not be happy with me by saying that. But anyway, amen. You know, we, we are, you know, on top of each other in the cement jungle of Southern California, the urban metropolis that we live in. Amen. We're just used to all this traffic. We're, even though we, we don't like it, we're, we, we, we just are used to this. We're used to everybody here and everybody there. And it's easy sometimes to get lost in the crowds. It's easy to get swallowed up by this area that we live in. Amen. And some people might feel overwhelmed when they see themselves as just one in a sea of millions of people. Amen. And they might be asking themselves because they're going through things. Does anybody see me? You know, you know, in the sea, you know, we're just in a sea of people here. Does anybody know what I'm going through? Does anybody even truly care about my situation? But I'm here to tell you this morning, Amen. Without a shadow of a doubt that there's a God who we serve, uh, whose name is Jesus. He knows exactly what you're going through, exactly how you feel. Amen. He truly cares about your situation. And on top of all that, he wants to do something about it if we'll let him. Amen. Because I'm talking about the worth of one, the worth of one. God does not view people as groups or large populations. Yeah, he recognizes that, but he is on the individual level when he's looking at people. Amen. It's true. When Jesus, at 30 years old, started his earthly ministry, it wasn't long that the Bible said the fame of his ministry, his teachings and his miracles went across the land and all kinds of multitudes came out of every town and village and he had huge crowds following him in no time. Amen. So that's true. He did that. But God is a God of one and Jesus always took time, even in the midst of the biggest crowd, whether it be 5,000 or 4,000 or whatever, to address and take time for the one. Amen. He met with Nicodemus one night and let him know the importance of being born again of water and spirit. He went out of his way to meet with one woman at Jacob's well in John chapter 4, amen, to tell her some things that would help her. And she was the one. 
And uh, he was in the midst uh, of a multitude, what he was always commonly doing. There was people all over him. Amen. And he was going through one town one time. Uh, amen. And a blind man way off over the side uh, heard the commotion and heard who it was that was coming through uh, and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. And Jesus stood still and called him over. Amen. There was hundreds, maybe thousands around him, but he called the one that was, uh, that was crying out for, for help. Uh, and he gave him his sight. And blind Bartimaeus left his garment that showed that he was a blind man. And he came and went home without that garment because he could see. And on a different occasion, he was going to another multitude, going through town. And a little woman who had an issue of blood for a long time spent all her money on doctors and became worse, amen, and became poor doing it and sick like she couldn't barely get out of bed. But she heard that Jesus was coming by and she got out. She fought her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and he said, hey, who touched me? Amen. And she came and said, it was I, amen. And she was afraid that she had done something wrong. And he said, no, no. He said, I felt virtue. And even Peter said, Lord, there's, there's people, hundreds, you know, you know, people about the celebrity and people about just being with Jesus, amen, and just being in the same area with Jesus and not really with their heart into it. They're all touching you, Jesus. And he said, yeah, but this is a different touch. And see, we need to understand as his children, there's a touch and then there's a touch. And we need to touch them with the touch, amen. We need to touch them with our heart, with our hunger, and with our thirst and with our souls sometimes even with desperation he said I felt virtue come out of me and he, he we found out and she came and confessed so oh, it was me and thought she was in trouble he said no no he said oh he goes oh lady you're okay go in go in peace your faith has made you whole because he, he saw the worth of one he was going through in another multitude, and there was a little short guy named Zacchaeus, who you know, one of the it's like like the kids that are jumping up on the the side of the road when the fair goes through, amen, or, or the parade goes through, amen. And uh, he went ahead of the group, knowing that they were heading down that road, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And Jesus was going through with the crowd. He stopped. He looked up. He said, "Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today." Amen. Don't tell me he's not the the God of one. Praise God. A leper came to him and asked him for healing, and he touched him and cleansed him of his leprosy. Said, go show yourself to the priest. A Syrophoenician woman who was not even a Jewish woman. Amen. Because remember, he came first to the, the lost uh, of the house of Israel, but she came desperate because her daughter was devil-possessed at home, and he granted her her request, amen, because she, he cares about one, amen, the Roman amen. centurion servant that was dear to him. It came, he came to Jesus and said, hey, you don't even have to go to my house. I know you can do it. Just speak the word. Yes. And that servant was made whole. And the ruler of the synagogue's 12-year-old daughter lay almost uh, on her deathbed. And, and he said, will you come? Yeah, God loves the children too. He left a whole group and said, I'm going to the house for a 12-year-old. Amen. And then they said, hey, before he even got there, she already passed away. You don't need to come in. He said, hey, don't doubt. Just believe. Anything is possible. Hallelujah. And he went in there and he raised her up from Amen. the dead. And said, give her something to eat. 
Give her a PBJ and some Fritos. She's going to live. Amen. He's sensitive to the needs of one. He's moved by the touch of one. He views us as individuals who are made in his image because we're all fearfully and wonderfully made and we're special and unique in his eyes. Amen. The worth of one. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 29, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? That's a good bargain, I guess. I don't know what you do with sparrows back then, but they bought them and sold them and they did stuff. Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. So do not be afraid. You're more valuable than many sparrows. So two sparrows for a penny. But look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 12, verse 6. Similar, but different. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Do not be afraid. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Amen. And if you look a little close, you'll catch something in there. Two sparrows for one penny. Five sparrows for two pennies. That means there was a bonus sparrow thrown in like you get an extra donut when you buy a dozen. The baker's dozen situation. There was a bonus bird. Amen. The fish sparrow was thrown in free like a baker's dozen is. When you buy all kinds of stuff, it seemingly had no value. It appeared to have no worth because it was just in the deal and it wasn't part of the money. Amen. Just a bonus bird that was thrown into the deal. And let me tell you something. Amen. If he cares about even that one sparrow that wasn't worth anything, it was just thrown in. You're worth more than many sparrows. If God's eyes on the sparrow and not one of them, not one of them falls to the ground without him knowing it, how much more if you're worth more than many sparrows, the worth of one. Praise God. So out of the, they say there's 1.6 billion sparrows. I don't know who's out there counting them and flying all over the world. Amen. But that's what their estimate is. 1.6 billion sparrows of all the types of sparrows on this earth right now. And even if one of them falls to the ground, God takes special notice. And we sing a little old song that the chorus says, His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Amen. Because I am created in his image. I am his kid. I've given my life to him. And we need to understand, amen, if he's concerned about one sparrow, he's concerned about one person even more, way more. Amen. God has his eye on every one of us. You're not alone. You're not just forgotten in the sea of people and all those billions and millions of sparrows and all those people floating around. God sees right where you're at. Though, though this humanity might be bumping you here and, and just ignoring you there and that person not smiling at you there, God is smiling at you. God knows your situation. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. And Psalm 33, 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him and upon them that hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, John the Baptist was a great man. He was Jesus' older cousin, actually. Blood relative. Amen. By six months. But 
he had a specific ministry, a specific job. He was to prepare the way of the Messiah. And that's why he started his ministry at 30 years old as well, but six months before Jesus. And he paved the way. And he, he, he told people, hey, the program's changing. Things are happening different. You're going to repent. And you're going to be baptized. And you're going to look to the one who's coming. Who I am not even worthy to stoop down and untie his shoelaces. Amen. But he's going to come. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. And so he, he paved the way. And he taught the multitude. He started getting people prepared for the Messiah. And the Bible calls him a great prophet. In fact, the Bible says that he was greater than all the prophets of the Old Testament. Did you know that? And there were some great ones. Isaiah, Elijah, amen, Jeremiah, Daniel, all kinds of prophets. Samuel, there was great prophets in the Old Testament. Amen. But they, John the Baptist, the Bible said, Luke 7, 28, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But notice this, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. In other words, hey, the person that maybe even be the person that's ignored, the person that no one's paying attention to, that's in the kingdom of God, that's in the church, that's God's people, amen. 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 That person is considered greater than John, who was greater than all prophets born of men. He, the worth of one child of God, cannot be overestimated. Amen. You know, the army for many years, for like 20 years, from 1981 to 2001, be all that you can be, right? You remember that one? Well, they decided to change in 2001. After 20 years, they, and I understand that they've, they've had several mottos since then, and I think they're going to be going back to be all, be all you could be because that was the best one. I just read that somewhere. But in 2001, they changed it to, an army of one. That was the new slogan. Saying that, hey, you know, we need every one of you. Our army is not going to be an army unless it's made up of individuals that are committed to the group, committed to the team. Amen. And one, each, every one of you is important. Every one of you is an army and in themselves, praise God. Every one of you is significant and you can make a difference for our country. Come join, right? We are all, as Christians, soldiers in God's army. The Bible said that God chose us to be a good soldier. Amen. Of Jesus Christ. He chose us to be a soldier and a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because just one person can make a difference in their community. Just one person can make a difference in their school. One person can make a difference in their family. Just one person can be a great influence on others. We read about the worth of one and the impact and significance of one in the Bible. One man, Noah, saved the human race from total annihilation by stepping out by faith. God looked, he went, he was ready to destroy the whole thing and, and I don't know, start over. I don't know what he was going to do. Amen. And you get to chap- Genesis chapter six, only six chapters in and God was ready to just think it's no good. It's not happening. These people don't want me. They don't love me. Amen. And then verse seven said, and God saw their wickedness and he was ready to just, 
wipe it out. But I like verse 8. But hold the phone. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he said, Noah, build an ark. And okay, yes, I will. Get your sons to help you. All right. So they built that huge boat, amen, and it was massive, and they did it without power tools. They did it without any kind of lithium battery tools or anything else. It was all hand tools. They had to make everything and make the nails and make, all, you know, all this kind of stuff, and they put together that boat that was a salvation of the human race all because one man found grace. One person decided to get, keep their hearts right before God. One man, Abraham, and his descendants became the nation of Israel and uh, God's chosen people. One man, Moses, was the deliverer of God's people from Egyptian bondage and gave the last 40 years of his life to leading them in the wilderness and teaching them God's ways and God's laws. One man, Apostle Paul, went on three missionary journeys where he established many churches and God used him to write over half 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. One man, Apostle John, who the Bible said was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was a disciple who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus. Amen. And so he was arguably, amen, physically and, uh, and spiritually speaking, he was the closest uh, of all the apostles to Jesus. He had special understanding because of that, amen, of the revelation of Jesus as God. He read it in his writings and of the love of God. When you read John, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John and Revelation, you read about the the oneness of God. You read about the love of God. Amen. And you read about that powerful end time prophecy. History says his enemies tried to boil him in oil. And he got out of the boiling oil. And they said, well, we can't boil him. So we can't get rid of this guy. And so they exiled him to this little rock-strewn island off, you know, in the Mediterranean Sea called Patmos. Amen. And you know that out of the, the original 12 apostles, he was the only one, even including Apostle Paul, he was the only one that died a natural death. John. Amen. Praise God. He was there. In fact, when you look at the writings, you know, John actually had the last word when it came to the New Testament scriptures. Because I know that where they come in, you know, you say, well, Matthew was first, so that must have been written first. The, the, the order of the books of the New Testament have really nothing uh, completely to do with the chronological order. Amen. Because John, because all the other apostles were martyred not too long after they had written their books, and John wrote 20 to 30 years later after all those other guys had died. He wrote John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation in 90 A.D. And all those other guys were gone in the 60s and 70 A.D. So he was there. And before he died, I love this, one man, the worth of one. He, he was there when they canonized the New Testament. In other words, when they finalized and decided this is the 27 books these are the books that we're going to have. This is going to be the New Testament. And he put his, you know, blessing on it from what God had showed him. He was the last apostle before he died. He saw that finalized in the New Testament. The worth 
of one. One can make a difference. And you know, when God is in the one, amen, that is an army of itself. Praise God. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. God and just one person who gives their life to him make a majority. God and I make a majority. God and you make a majority. Amen. The significance and the worth of just one person cannot even begin to be overestimated in the eyes of God. Because Jesus, he made it abundantly clear when he let us know what the value of just one soul is. When he said this statement in Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, the whole world, amen, is not worth one soul. Amen. And that's a mouthful. You think about it. What's the whole world? It's all the fame. It's all the fortune it's all the cash it's all the gold it's all the precious metals it's all the jewels and the rubies and all the precious stones it's all this and it's the glitter and the glam and the man-made and all that it's all that you put that on one side you put a soul on the other side a soul outweighs in God's eyes not in the world's eyes but in God's eyes if you gain the whole world and lose your soul you got ripped off you got short change. Amen. Your soul is the most valuable thing you could ever have. And we can't exchange it for nothing. Buy the truth and sell it not. In your, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Hold on to your soul and give it to God. And don't let anybody take it from you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why when we talk about the worth of one and our theme this year, everyone win one. Everyone win one. Well, how can we just win in one? That doesn't seem very much. The worth of one. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. Amen. Just work on them. One at a time. doesn't mean you're only talking to one person the whole year. Yeah, boy, I got all my eggs in this basket. This person, don't let me down. You're my one. You know, the pastor says, we're going to try to get one in here. Yeah, maybe 2024. No, we talk it to everybody. Amen. Has God, you know, there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Sometimes, you know, some people aren't going to receive it. Sometimes you're casting your pearl before swine. It's a nice way of saying they don't want to hear what you have to say. Save it for somebody that does. Amen. And God knows who's ready to hear. God knows whose hearts have softened up a little bit. So when you throw a little seed, the seed of the word of God their way, it's not going to bounce off a rock hard heart. Amen. It's going to get in there, even if it's a crack. And it's going to, even like a weed sometimes, they'll grow in the crack of the sidewalk. If, the, if God can just get a crack in there. In somebody's heart, the word will go down in there and germinate. Amen. Everyone win one. The importance of winning souls. Amen. That's what this hour is. And that's what I want our focus to be in 2023. God help us. Lord, open doors. So we can talk to somebody 
and win them to you. Because heaven, heaven rejoices and heaven is concerned and, and heaven has a different value system, amen, than the world does. Because Jesus said in a couple of the parables in Luke 15, when it comes to the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, amen, he said these, this statement at the, at the end of each of those parables. In 15.7 of Luke, he said, For I say unto you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one. Everybody say one. One sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Does that mean God is, is telling you 99 people that are, that are doing good? Yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to you. You know, see you later. No, no. He's just saying, uh, you know. They're doing good, and I'm going to bless them, of course. Amen. But we're going to try to reach that lost one. We're going to try to reach that lost one. Amen. That's why Jesus said, amen. The physician comes for the sick people, not for the people that think they're okay. Praise God. The Pharisees were trying to trip him up, and the Pharisees thought, we're okay. We don't need you. We don't need your parables, and we don't need your gospel. And he said, I am come to the sick. Amen. Because the physician comes to those that are hungry and those that are sick, those that know they're sick and they need help. Amen. I'm not come to the righteous. I'm not come to the self-righteous. In other words, what he was saying, praise God. But heaven rejoices over one single person. Amen. That repents. And then he said it again. After the coin parable, he said, likewise, in verse 10, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that's a good start. When they repent, that's the first step to God. Amen. After we believe in God, we repent. Amen. Amen. And then we go down in the watery grave of baptism in Jesus' name, and our sins are washed away. And then we ask Him to fill us with the Spirit of God so that he, we can be more than overcomers, more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Amen. Would you stand with me? Second Peter 3.9, Peter said, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. So there's one and there's all. But in the all is made up of a bunch of ones. Amen. You could come from a big family. Amen. I remember Sister Chase, the former pastor's wife. She was one of 16 kids. I'm like, whoa. Talk about getting that dinner ready. How many eggs you got to cook for that breakfast? Amen. One of 16 kids. And that was a big family, but it was all made up of 16 kids and two parents. 18. 18 individuals. Your family is individuals. Amen. This block of people and this group of people and that country and that uh, that situation, amen. It's all, yeah, we, we look at it uh, as groups, but individually God is looking at people. He's looking at the worth of one. Amen. Every single one. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but that we come to repentance. And then finally, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, the Bible said, This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone. Everybody say, everyone. Everyone. So everyone win one. Everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
He wants everyone. Amen. So everyone is, is a big group, but everyone can be an individual too. He wants everyone to be saved. And that's why when Peter and the guys, when they were fishing, Jesus had them fish two different ways. He said, cast your net out and get a big old catch of fish. That's one way of doing it, getting a big group. But then he told Peter one time, get your fishing pole and throw your hook over here. And when you catch that fish, in, the, in his mouth is going to be a piece of money and you will be able to pay your taxes and my taxes. Amen. So everyone win one. Praise God. You can throw the net and that's, that, you know, you got you to know what you're doing. But, you know, the fishing pole is a good way to do it. Just one at a time. Change the bait, change your, your methods and all that stuff. But, but you know what? Praise God. God hasn't changed. The Bible is forever settled. Thank you, the gospel is always going to be the gospel. We have different methods and we have different means to use these things with God, but they haven't changed. So that same good old gospel truth, that same good old amen Bible, praise God, that wonderful God that's been everlasting, he's always been here, he's always going to be here, he doesn't change, amen, let's get him on the, let's put it on the fishing pole and let's reach people, people are hungry for what God has, amen, people do want to to be saved, they do want to be changed, they do want to be delivered, they just don't understand what, how to do it. Let's show them the way. Let's show them the best way. Because of the worth of one. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.